Welcome to the Pacey Performance Podcast. Today, I'm speaking with Applied Sports Scientist at the Seattle Seahawks, Dean Riddle. So another great guest in the podcast, uh, Dean, I've got to know Dean through his work at Nike a couple of years ago, and he's, uh, he's always been really receptive of me dropping him an email, asking him questions. Um, he's just got a new role at uh, Seattle Seahawks, so I dropped him an email to see if he'd, he'd be able to come on and talk about his experiences. Obviously, the information he can put out about the Seahawks is quite limited, um, obviously because he's new in the role and uh, they're obviously very tight on kind of what information gets out there um, but it's a great interview but before that I just wanted to say if you see the podcast pop up on Twitter give it a retweet um, just to get some to get the information out there obviously I'm not don't make any money off it don't advertise or anything which has been a, uh, a good thing from the feedback that I've been getting um, if you see it on Facebook obviously like it just spread the, spread the good word uh, obviously subscribe to the podcast if you haven't subscribed already um, and a rating and a review would go down an absolute dream so thanks for that um, and we'll get on to the interview with Dean Okay, we're in episode nine of the Pace Performance Podcast. Just before we get into uh, introducing uh, who I'm speaking to today, I'm just going to run through. I've just been um, stalking his LinkedIn, and I'm going to go through uh, his career so far. So we've got Head of Strength and Conditioning at Leeds Rugby League, uh, National Team Fitness Coach with England Cricket, Head of Strength and Conditioning at Sheffield United, Head of Strength and Conditioning at Leeds United, Head of Strength and Conditioning at Castleford Tigers, Head of Strength and Conditioning at Yorkshire Cricket, Performance Manager at Sheffield United, Director of Performance Network at Nike, and now Applied Sports Scientist at the Seattle Seahawks. Talk to me about that, Dean Riddle. <laughs> All right, Ian, good morning. Good morning. Either means that I'm uh, doing a couple of things okay, or yeah. uh, people get sick of me, but uh, yeah, I've been really lucky to work uh, across different sports and, um, and different positions, so yeah, very happy with uh you know, the um, pathway of my career so far. So talk to us a little bit about um, kind of how you got into the industry in the first place and how kind of then, obviously not every transition, but um, a couple of those transitions happened. Yeah, sure. Um, well, my, uh, my background was as a, uh, an athlete and uh, a track and field athlete back in uh, New Zealand, my native country. And, you know, the... Uh, you know, pathway into it back then in the 80s, uh, because I'm sure I'm at age now, is that, you know, you're a good athlete, and, um, people were doing um, physical education degrees in preparation to go and uh, work in high schools or perhaps work in a gym. There wasn't, you know, the strength conditioning industry, the sports science industry didn't even exist back in the 80s. So, um, you know, my, uh, my pathway into it certainly wasn't um, the, the normal one. Um, it was because I was a reasonably good athlete and started working with fellow athletes. I enjoyed the aspect of coaching and you know teaching people how to 
know, be better, you know, based off my experiences and what I was learning. So yeah, that's how I got into the industry. And um, uh, from there, I worked uh, in New Zealand with some uh, pretty good teams, but that was certainly back in the days of you know, amateur um, amateur sport, you know, rugby union back in New Zealand in the 80s wasn't being paid. So you know, those athletes... Um, uh, were you know they had normal jobs and they trained on evenings before they would go and um, uh, you know compete on the weekend at the very highest level. That's talking about um, top club competition and then even All Blacks, um, you know, who were just normal guys. So you know the industry back in the eighties you know, didn't exist. Um, it slowly evolved and you, you know, evolved into it because you were a good athlete and then started to do the learnings to. Um, you, know, you know, become a you know, practitioner in a you know, professional sense. So, you know, it's it's uh, the, the pathway to get to where it is now. Um, you know, was was very much from that. It was very organic. Um, I think it was a great way for me to uh, have learned. I had some great uh, mentors who looked after me, uh, but my studies um, came much later. So, I was very lucky to work with some uh, some teams, which you know. Uh, a reasonable amount of intervention meant there was a massive difference uh, because you know, bringing the skills that I'd accumulated from uh, my track and field background, you know, they were very, very transferable to most sports I was working within. And, and I actually started working with first um, different teams back in New Zealand and was in rugby league. So that's that's the organic nature that it happened. Um, and my studies came much later when I was in the UK when I went to Leeds Matt and uh, studied sports science. So after doing your studies at Leeds Met, what, thinking back, what was the state of kind of strength and conditioning at the time? Obviously you mentioned that obviously in New Zealand it was kind of, teams were still amateur, but when you came over here, um, I mean now you've got obviously people analysing GPS, heart rate and all that kind of monitoring stuff. I mean obviously early in the 90s that, that wasn't in the case, so what kind of was, what was the state of the SNC at that time? Yeah, well, it, it didn't exist really. Um, you know, in terms of full-time strength conditioning coaches in 1991, um, there, there weren't any in rugby league. There was a couple of you know, people working part-time in different teams. Um, they should have had gyms, but it just just didn't really exist. So, you know, when uh, I first started into it, it's um, and came over. Um, you know, it, it, it wasn't there, you know. My my abilities were to work as a fitness coach, but also um, you know sports taping, you know prior to training, prior to games, uh, sports massage. Um, you know, you'd help out with everything because you know, that's the type of you know environment it was back in the you know the early nineties. So um, it started to then obviously change pretty quickly early into the mid nineties, um, and the teaching uh, of sports science and. and Become much more prevalent, and um, people saying, "Okay, there's a there's a need." So it's you know, back in those days, um, yeah, the, the industry didn't exist. Um, a couple of different teams had um, you know, fitness coaches with them, but they weren't. Um, uh, yeah, it wasn't there, there wasn't seen to be that career. They knew that you know, fitness coaches would sort of you know start to develop, you know, develop but you know, they weren't there. Um, you know, so the industry has built itself. Um, because the recognition from uh, managers at English football, um, head coaches in you know, rugby union, rugby league in the UK, that hey, well, let's try and get our guys fitter. And it was normally the physiotherapist who would sort of look after that. And they said, okay, well, let's, let's, you know, let's bring in someone who's a specialist in it. And so, you know, the industry sort of evolved. And 
I think the uh, you know, there certainly is a, a few errors along the way, um, a few uh, times that people didn't do a particularly uh, you know, great job because they didn't you know, really understand the role of a strength coach or a sports scientist because none of us did. You know, we're, we're all just sort of evolving with it slowly over a period of time um, to find this place and uh, make sure that, you know, when they were applying themselves as a practitioner that, you know, they didn't annoy the, <laughs> the coach by suddenly trying to come in with a, you know, a whole lot of data or a whole lot of things that the players weren't used to. Mm-hmm. And then uh, all your players would suddenly become pretty non-compliant because, you know, um, they were being asked to do a lot of things that they you know, didn't want to do. You know, warm-ups became, you know, long and, and too laborious and we spending too much time doing, you know, um, things that they felt, well, look, I just want to kick a soccer ball or I just want to pass a rugby ball. And so, you know, understanding, you know, uh, best practice and the way it should be uh, put in place so that people enjoyed the experience of sport. You know, they, they didn't, uh, yeah, there's, there's a few people uh, made a few mistakes, myself included there. So, you know, um, we've, as an industry, we've certainly become better, you know, at application so that the athletes have a, you know, much better experience. And so, you know, refinement of, of preparation, uh, monitoring, you know, this is becoming much, much smoother, much, uh, crisper. Um, and so, you know, the whole experience of the athlete, but then also the coach to say, okay, yeah, you guys are cool. It's, you should be seeing the value we feel, uh, working on game days much more, more uh, appropriately. Um, you know, it just feels much more organic now, obviously, than what it was. So, you know, through the 90s, there was a lot of, uh, growing pains, I'd say, within you know, um, yeah, within within the industry and within you know the um, the practitioners who are working within it. You know, some guys fell off and you know, didn't get to work again, and you know, some new people came through and learned and did, did some great stuff. And so slowly, it's evolved until it's become you know industry standard now. Not just one you know, strength conditioning coach or fitness coach, but you know, multiples across different teams and then they've got as we have here at the Seahawks we've got strength conditioning coaches and we've got the you know the sports scientists and behind that to resource them so you know um, the industry has evolved over a period of time but certainly through the 90s it was a, a unusual difficult period um, and uh, you know those are the normal growing pains within most industries there's going to be some people who you know, don't do a great job of it making sure that it you know, feels natural and others who did and you know luckily it's you know, it's evolved, so if, you know, and it was always going to that they went, yeah, this is a good thing. We get less injuries, the players are fitter. Uh, yeah, this is a standard, standard part of what we do now. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you mentioned a little bit of what's kind of going on over there, <clears throat> and that's obviously transferred to what's going on over here at the same time. But the state of SNC fitness coaches, whatever you want to call it, uh, in the US at the moment, um, it's obviously culminated in this kind of this summer with athletes' performance and the World Cup. But um, is is the kind of state of the industry healthy over there? Uh, very, very healthy. Um, I mean, these guys have been doing it for you know as strength conditioning um, coaches with resources in around their different sports teams for you know, forty years. Um, really, uh, there's so they've got a great historical background in it. You know, large facilities, uh, either at uh, the professional sports teams, but then at the colleges. Uh, and so, you know, there's a, there's a, a great historical background to, you know, preparing athletes from a strength conditioning point of view. And certainly they've been very similar to what's occurred in, um, you know, the UK that, uh, there are some, you know, they've, they're growing pains. Uh, but, 
you know, they've, they've had a massive, uh, this massive background of saying, yep, we've got big jumps in, we've got, you know, lots of facilities, got lots of athletes, and we know to physically prepare them, you know, but, um, uh, they, so that means that they've got an advantage, uh, because they've got amazing skills over here in terms of their presentation skills, their coaching skills are very refined, they know what they do, and that's because it's been, they've just had such, so, so much more time. Uh, as uh, as a as practitioners in the in this field, so uh, I think it's very strong. But um, uh, what's obviously occurred is there is, and I was one of these guys in the in, um, uh, early nineties, mid nineties. That you know, I came over to the US um, while I was working in rugby league in the UK to go and see what they're doing in you know, the NFL and at collegiate level. You know, I visited a number of teams to go and see and prove myself and then take that knowledge back to the UK and um, so yeah, interestingly um, you know, the Australians were doing that a lot of people coming from different parts of the world and we still get that here in fact, we've had people this week just every week because people are coming here to learn because, um, you know, it's a great resource to come in and seeing how other people do it so the the you know the uh, the strength conditioning um, side of the industry is very, very strong over here, and uh, there's a rapidly expanding you know, sports science and applied sports science um, field happening across uh, professional sports and uh, collegiate sports. The um, certainly the the, the uh, sports science support for a high performance program is much, much more advanced in the UK uh, and in Australia than anywhere else in the world. Um, that's the undoubtedly leading from what I've seen, uh, and that's pretty widely recognised here in the United States. There are some some really good practitioners, but um, it's because of the uh, academic uh, programs which have been in place for a number of years in the UK. Um, they've got a lot of really good uh, sports scientists, that have, um, applied sports scientists guys who can actually go and and, uh, and deliver. You know, in all these different organisations, so it's pretty widely recognised. There's uh, only a few people from the UK, and I consider myself as someone from the UK, although all the data can see them, uh, who are over here working in the US, and um, you know, it's certainly seen as those guys in the UK know what they're doing in terms of, of the sports science and applying to the different sports. Mm. Uh, currently, currently played here in the US, so. Um, yeah, it's it's a very much a changing landscape here in the US. Um, they've been uh, they've they've certainly had to reset themselves. I think so. Okay, let's let's get after this. We've had amazing resources, but turn to that uh, the use of technologies, GPS, uh, uh, heart monitoring, um, whatever it happens to be. Uh, they certainly look towards the UK, uh, and they they class. UK as Europe, it's sort of the general conversations that you talk, uh, or Australia as you know the world leaders, and I absolutely suggest that you know the evolution of of the UK uh, sports science uh, support within sport has you know has uh, lent a lot on what the practitioners saw coming out of Australia, and either Australians were coming over to come and work in the UK or the UK guys are going over to Australia to go and see what they're doing um, and that's obviously helped you know, uh, make it uh, a much quicker transition to uh, putting sports science support programs into professional sport 
and the UK, and then the UK has certainly picked it up and run with it really fast, and so then you've got you know, an amazing uh, population of, of sports scientists in the UK that uh, uh, do a great job across multiple sports. So it's funny how that transitions happen from my point of view of looking at over the, you know, the 90s, you know, the 2000s, and now into the 2010s that you can see it. Uh, I think the, certainly they're going to start applying themselves in the US and because they have amazing resources and they are this, they're so go-getter, these guys are going to uh, do a great job of applying within yeah, the multiple sports because there's a, uh, an enormous industry in and around it, let's say, within either professional sport, across your big numbers, or across collegiate sport. Uh, they're, they're all industries, and so therefore there's a lot of scope to uh, work with all, you know, a lot of very, very fine athletes. No, that's great. Um, I mean, just, just a couple of things that you touched on there. Um, your, your background in track and field and kind of how that was kind of applicable to, across multiple sports. What was the process you went through um, when jumping from football to cricket to rugby what what was the process you went through to to program for these uh different athletes with so many different demands from the sport yeah i mean track and field underpins everything that i've, that I've always done yeah uh, having been an athlete although not a good one um, i ran track from very young you know through into the uh yeah, mid-20s uh i loved it and so that's underpinned you know um uh, uh, how you analyze a sport and look at it and say, okay, I'm going to watch the sport. And that's what I'm doing here. I've only been in, in place here at the Seahawks a very short time. Um, we're in training camp right now, so it's huge days and very busy. Uh, but I'm, again, learning the sport, although I've seen it on television and been visited a few teams in the past. Nothing quite like being inside it to learn very, very fast. You're absolutely swamped by the, by everything around you. Um, yeah, so I'm using uh, my background from you know, track and field time to pin that. So, so okay, how are the athletes moving? How do I look to try and you know with, uh, make this athlete move better? Obviously, your your uh, academic background helps you then put that into a context in terms of the physiology. But, uh, my track and field background is going to be huge for that. Looking at the way any of these athletes move and then trying to find ways to apply that and. Uh, you know, that's, that's what you do. You say, okay, this guy plays in a certain way and, and runs in a certain pattern and has to jump to knock the ball out, uh, whatever that looks like. And you're looking to try and uh, improve the way they do that so it's more efficient. Um, and that's what we do when we're you know, teaching um, high jump or sprints. Um, then you break out, okay, 100 meter sprints, you're talking about um, the start, the acceleration phase, the um, high speed running. Uh, maintenance of that, uh, maximal speed, um, looking at all the, you know, to analyze that sport. And so you're looking at these athletes now, and that's exactly what I'm doing. And that's what I've done through the different sports, whether it be, it be cricket, rugby league, or football. You know, they're, they're all turning out to be pretty good all-round athletes, uh, anyway. If you, you know, you can take any one of those athletes and, Okay, okay, you actually all probably look pretty similar. You know, you want them, uh, you know, really well balanced. Um, you want them to have, uh, great mobility. Um, you want them to have great coordination. And, you know, they want to be a really robust athlete so they can spend plenty of time on the field. You know, so you're looking at, um, you know, the spectrum of, of those athletes to say that, you know, across those different sports. Yeah. You um, you know, they could you know, probably go and do anything where they're going to go and play tennis or they, where they're going to you know, run track or they're going to go and you know, run a football field they're all a, a pretty 
you know, pretty good all-round athlete is what you're what you're looking for. And obviously they've got the, you know, those fine um, uh, technical skills which are appropriate for that sport. You know, uh, whether it be a you know, the uh, rugby player uh, catching the, you know, the high ball or, or diving for a try or um, you know that tennis player making a serve. You know they've got those fine skills which are you know, accumulated. But you know those athletes are really are you know, pretty all-round, you know, very similar. You know, looking sort of athletes. If you're just, you know, stand there in a pair of just a pair of shorts, you say, yeah, okay, well, what sort of athlete are you? Because it wouldn't stand out. But you know, they're they're lean. Um, they've got, um, you know, apart from you know, obviously some of your extremes here in American football here, some of your big big guys. You know, they they all look a pretty pretty good all around athlete. You know, and they could be a sprinter. Some of these guys, or they could be a, a tennis player, or they could be a wide receiver. You know, they you wouldn't have a clue. But they're just a pretty damn good all-round athlete. So the track and field backgrounds allow me to look at that person, and you know, seventy percent of it is just getting to become this really fine all-round athlete. Our human body hasn't particularly changed a lot in uh, a few years, so um, you know those fine motor skills I learned to play the sport are good. But you know, we're just trying to turn them into pretty good all-round athletes, and then after that, we're looking to say, okay, right, specifically for your sport, specifically for your role within that sport, I want you to have this type of uh, performance capability. Yeah, I mean, you, you talked a little bit about the kind of um, American, you know, go out and get it type attitude. When you're looking at across different sports, uh, how does that differ? That kind of culture, discipline, and kind of professional attitude. How does that differ across your football, your cricket, your your rugby? And I, I know you can't touch on it too much with the uh, with your current role, but how does that you know differ across them sports? Um, sorry, I just just missed the very start. Can you just repeat that, Rob? Yeah, of course, mate. Um, just from your from your experience working across multiple sports, um, with regards to culture and the kind of professionalism uh, from football to cricket to rugby, and, and I know you can't talk about much about the um, your current role, but how does that how does that kind of culture differ from your kind of sports science fitness coach perspective? Sure. Um, I'd say the the. Um, Across all the sports you've got, you know, a whole lot of these guys are, um, you know, pretty damn professional and, and are polite, you know, um, the vast majority of them. And then you've always got your outliers, you know. And, um, uh, like my family, you know, my uh, my brother's real diligent, and, you know. Um, uh, and um, you know, pretty outgoing um, and all but always behaves itself and I'm sort of you know uh, I'm pretty noisy as well but I don't behave myself particularly well so you've got a population of people everyone's quite different so you know this uh, this organisation is similar and all the organisations you know you've got a, a spectrum of people who are within it who are, who are different and so you know um, yeah, there's, there's just uh, a, a mix of people um, across all of them. And so uh, I, I wouldn't certainly want to say uh, about who I think is uh, the better athlete because nothing that's, that's fair, but I would certainly say that the guys who work in the combat sports and uh, here in uh, American football, this is a combat sport. These guys, these guys run into each other um, in order to try and play their game as well as they can be. Now, um, that parallel after the uh, rugby league, um, that those guys are pretty competitive, and uh, and so therefore their physical preparation is going to be really good. And then if you were to look at um, you know, cricket, um, you know, your fast bowlers, you know, it's going to be pretty tough. They're going to run in, 
continuously over the course of a day or, or days to um, you know, try and bowl a fast bowler of a better archer. They've got to run in and jump high and land on them. something pretty similar to concrete in order to you know, put a kick down the, you know, the wicket. And, you know, pretty fast and you know, they want to either um, hit the stumps or they want to um, uh, bowl the guy out. And so, you know, totally different, uh, totally non-combat sport, but you know what the... Uh, the um, uh, yeah, the nature of the nature of the game means that these guys are going to be pretty damn tough, and they got to be good athletes. And so, yeah, you get a spectrum of guys who apply themselves in different ways. So, you know, different sports, um, you know, just elicit a different response. Uh, the footballers, uh, um, you know, soccer players, um, again, it's a, you know, it's a semi-contact sport, but. Uh, uh, those guys, um, you know, different stages, you know, if you're playing center half, you've got to be, you got to be pretty tough and you've got to be willing to put your head on the, your head on the line and, you know, and do a good job of it. So, you know, there's, there's a, a wide spectrum of, of people within, um, you know, these sports, uh, you know, yeah, those who apply themselves extremely well. And I'd say the warrior sports, the contact sports, the combat sports, you know, rugby and, and certainly football, maps like that, um, but yeah, there's some pretty tough guys in, in cricket who've got to stand out there and they've got to battle down or bowl down, they've got to be pretty damn tough. So, you know, they're, they're, they're so different because of the needs of the sports, but um, you know, within all those populations, you've got some really well-applied guys in, in something like mm-hmm. I mean, just, just moving moving on a little bit to your, your last role, which was the Director of Performance Network at, at Nike. Obviously... Is it going from head of SNC, head of SNC, head of SNC, head, you know, national team fitness coach? How was that going into a kind of making that transition to more of a kind of a management role? And then obviously more recently coming back to what you were doing initially with kind of more hands on? Sure. Um, well, it, uh, it's, it, you know, that role evolved um, because there was just more and more information. Um, being, uh, uh, you know, floating around the organizations. And that came from, uh, ownership of the, um, different teams. And so Sheffield United had already been there once. And, uh, so when they said, Hey, we want somebody to come back, we'd like you to come back. Obviously, I knew the, the head coach who was, um, who was there, Kevin Blackwell. And so, um, they said, well, we'd like you to come back and, and, you know, want you to work with us um, and look after the team. I said, well, that's great that I come and look after the, you know, do the fitness with the first team. But, you know, there's a, there's a bigger thing happening here. Um, really, there's there's lots and lots of information floating around your players. Um, there's, uh, you know, the, the first team, uh, reserves, 18s, and then everyone below that. And I said, you know, that's what I'm interested in doing and helping try and, you know, streamline that and accelerate player development through. So and I was really lucky that they... Um, they said, yeah, we, we think that's a, a really good role. Um, so, uh, that's why I, I proposed to them. And so I had three great years there before, um, leaving and, and moving over to the US. So, um, uh, I don't, yeah, it was, I don't think it was particularly defined within, within the industry, but it was certainly something that I wanted to go and do, um, is to, is to bring them all together. I really enjoy working with those developing athletes. Love, love that from my, you know, in the very early days. Um, and so to, to be able to sort of define that role and put everyone on the same, 
hem sheet was great. And, you know, the academy at Sheffield United, when I first was there, I would work with those guys. Um, wasn't part of my remit, but I just enjoyed that. And, and uh, you know, under-18s, um, uh, reserves in first grade. So, you know, I did you want a performance manager? Um, you know, I'd heard that, you know, people were sort of creating those types of roles. So, you know, and, yeah, that's, that's what I want to do. So, you know, I came up with the title. Um, uh, and uh, obviously copied from somebody else and uh, took some of the ideas that you know, I thought were pretty good and that I'm speaking to some of my, my colleagues in the industry and talked about what they were doing and said, yep, that's, that's what I'd like to do. I think that'd be really, really worthwhile. It'd be a, a great place for me to um, to work in a good, good organisation, good club, and uh, they gave me a, you know, the ability to bring in staff, which was great. So I brought in a, a first team strength conditioning coach, uh, brought in a support in terms of a um, sports scientist, there, so all of a sudden we had a tier of staff supporting your first grade, and then um, you had then people working with uh, um, the different you know teams below that, and so I wanted this remit so I could you know, help everyone sing off the same hymn sheet, put on the same piece of rope, and therefore everyone's going to get better faster. So, um, so the performance manager role was was to do that. So yeah, fantastic three years, and I was you know helping everything from the tea lady in the morning. How could she? You know, main, you know, put the cups of tea out um, in a certain way so the players would then, you know, uh, snack on the right type of things in the morning. Um, so you know, she had an important role in terms of high performance because you know, that was your, you know, your first interaction point with, the, with the athlete when they come through. So I enjoyed that. Um, and then, you, you know, helping her be part of the entire organization through to the, you know, the groundsman who was looking at, you know, okay, what's the services like and how can we improve these? And then actually there's some slopes here or there's some, uh, you know, some different areas that we can try and capitalize upon so we can do some you know, better, um, fitness work with the athletes because we've got better spaces to work on and so you know, I enjoyed working across all those um, just as much as I enjoyed working with the strength conditioning coaches in the sports time obviously I like working across you know, all the um, you know, all the elements within the organisation so it's fantastic so you know, very lucky there um, and uh, to be able to have that sort of wide-ranging, you know, wide-ranging um, uh, role within the organisation and to help you know, um, you know, look and find new technologies, but not just technologies for what I was thinking of doing that day. Um, you know, robustly check those out between our staff, you know, and having that interdisciplinary staff with the medical as well. Uh, fantastic. So, you know, uh, as an organisation, that was a great time because we weren't just sort of sitting in our own buckets. We were all going, okay, let's all work together. So, certainly enjoyed that. Um, and, you know, for my first time through, uh, Getting within football, everyone's sort of sitting in their own bucket, but to try and get those interdisciplinary teams working and get that position over the top to be able to do that was, was great. So, you know, it evolved over a period of time. Um, you know, my thoughts on it, and then when that opportunity came to do that, Sheffield United it was, it was fantastic. So, uh, you know, it was, it was you, you, number of teams are starting to look to develop that role. Um, certainly we have here, we've got a um, fantastic guy in charge here, a guy called Sam Ramston, who oversees our department and who you know, brings that interdisciplinary you know, function. So um, that's that's you know, that, that's great. That is the evolving role, you know. There's a lot of great practitioners and all their different elements, but somebody to bring them all together is, is what you need. So, you know, uh, great that I've had that experience in the UK um, and now to see it. Uh, this type of environment being executed is just just amazing. So, how, so the 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 work with Nike, how did how did that come about from your from your time at Sheffield United, and what and what did it entail at Nike? 
Sure. Um, well, then, um, that involved because I had done some work previously for, for Nike um, over a couple of years and uh, enjoyed that. And it was part of um, the, the spark testing, which was great. And then um, I uh, was doing some, some work with those guys and they said, hey, we've got this role. We're looking to try and bring somebody through who can um, help put together this network of, of practitioners. You know, like you might have a, a point of view on performance and an ability to be able to talk to the athlete. Um, and so... Um, yeah, they asked me to, to come and help um, set that up for them. So, um, yeah, they were very much experimental at the time, um, to try and evolve um, this network of practitioners. So I did that for, for two years until um, that particular business model that I was working for. They said, right, we don't we don't want that now, so Spark is no more. They closed the whole business unit down. And, um, yeah, so I, uh, that's how I transitioned here to the United States because uh, Nike brought me over um, and then they had a change in, uh, in you know, business direction and, and they closed that, that business down, um, which it cost them, uh, yeah, a lot of, uh, quite a lot of money. But that's what huge corporate organizations do. Um, so yeah, there was a, there was a few of us who, uh, were a little bit surprised by that and, um, uh, had to find something else to do. So I'm very lucky to be in the Seahawks. No, I'm I'm just I'm just wary of time because it's uh, quarter seven in the morning for you and you've got a fifteen hour day coming up. So, um, just any uh, projects coming up for the f- plans for the future? I mean, you mentioned obviously the, the the enjoyment you had from kind of being a performance manager at Sheffield United. Would that be something that you'd look to kind of? Obviously, I know it's early days over there for you, but kind of progress to that in the future. Dean. Sorry, I just dropped out again. Sorry, mate. Um, so you're, you obviously said about your enjoyment working as a performance manager at Sheffield United. Um, yep. Would that be something you'd look to um, kind of go back to in the future, you know, in either NFL or, you know, another sport, that kind of more management role? Um, uh, perhaps so, but, uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a whole long way off. Yeah, yeah. Right um, you know, so I wouldn't say so, no. Uh, I mean, this is, you know, pretty, pretty special, um, pretty special setup here, yeah. uh, working across multiple departments and a really good, uh, high performing team. So, you know, it's such early days within it. It's, um, you know, that's just really exciting. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. And yeah, they are huge days that we do. Um, there's a massive demand, but there's a massive enjoyment at the other side of it. You know, it's, you know, it's hugely rewarding. Um, and working within this sport, within this type of organisation. That's what, you know, all strength is you know, um, who are working around, you know, all different parts of the world uh, are striving for it. all love to work within you know, that higher performing uh, organisation, you know. Um, and so that's that's absolutely what, you know, um, you know, they're, they're built here. Um, and they're looking to carry on to build, you know, mm-hmm. a really high performing department. So, yeah, certainly no ambitions for that um, at all. This is uh, satisfies my my ambition completely. Uh, there's no other time. A great organisation, great people, um, and the role is is, uh, is very new within the NFL. Mm-hmm. And so, um, a huge amount to learn um, uh, to make sure it's successful. But lucky we've got some some really really good people here as part of this team to do it. Mm-hmm. Well, like you say, you've got a long day coming up, so I won't keep any more, but I just want to thank you for your time, because um, I know it's pretty limited at the minute, we've been on camp and whatnot, 
Um, so thanks again, and I will um, I'll speak to you soon. Well, absolutely no, no problem at all. Enjoyed it. Um, yeah, I've been very, very lucky to work with uh, a lot of good athletes, but more importantly, a lot of good, um, you know, uh, fellow practitioners, you know, other fitness coaches, strength conditioning coaches over the years. And uh, the, the single best thing that I've done is, um, is share, um, tell people what I'm uh, pretty crappy at and what I'm good at, and uh, guarantee that, you know, that's the, the single best way to keep on learning. So I'm, uh, I'm happy to, to talk about the, the things I've done well and, and things I've not done so well because, you know, then you get better. So an absolute pleasure. So uh, I'm looking forward to listening to, to your podcast um, from uh, from some of the other people. And, and hopefully uh, everyone who's listened to this uh, hasn't fallen asleep. So thank you for listening. <laughs> Perfect. Thanks very much, Dean. Speak to you soon. Good. Cheers, Rob. Bye. See you. Bye-bye.